Today's episode highlights include Vietnamese-American-German connections, refugees and how to support the community, the Fulbright Teaching Diversity Program, and this week there are a few travel suggestions, Aachen, Monschau, Bonn, Cologne, and Düsseldorf. And for Monschau, I highly recommend you search for it online and virtually travel to this beautiful town. My name is Hani Geist. Welcome to Coffee Connections. Today's Coffee Connection is Fang Hong, alumnus of the CBYX High School Program, the DAD Rise and Young Ambassador Program, and Fulbright Teaching Assistant Program. Have a listen. My name is Fong Hong, and I recently finished the Fulbright Scholarship in Aachen, Germany. Why don't you take me back to the first time you heard about opportunities in Germany and then your first experience going to Germany? Wow, that's definitely a journey back. So with my, I think with my case is quite unique and personal because my roots to Germany, my ties to Germany has to do with my family. I came from Vietnam. In Vietnam, back in the 1970s, we experienced a the war called the Vietnam War. And after that, many of my families had to flee the country to seek safety. One of the family members that I'm quite close to flee and left Vietnam for Germany. So when I had a chance to reconnect with his family, I was in high school. So that's when my dad brought me to Germany for the first time ever to see my uncle. And that's where I was formally introduced to the German culture and also the environment and everything about Germany there during that summer. And after that, I felt like I wanted to go back. I, I'm not sure exactly what pull me in. Perhaps it was the language because at that time I was taking Spanish. So hearing German was completely something different and new and exciting. After that summer, I decided to apply for a scholarship that many people who go to Germany probably know. It's called the Congress Bundestag Youth Exchange Program, also known as the CBYX program. The CBYX program has two components. Uh, one is for high school students who are interested in studying a year in or 10 months, more specifically, in Germany, living with host family, going to school there, and the other is for young professionals where they get to study at the university part-time and do an internship. So I selected the um, the first program, which allowed me to study in the city called Ratzeburg, which is a really small, really sweet town in northern Germany. And there, that's where I met my host family. That's where I created my first group of German friends. And since then, I actually came back to uh, study for my university here and obtain my bachelor. Initially, I wanted to study a mix of different things, uh, including German, of course. But one of my passions is within biology and Earlier on, entomology, was, which is the study of insects, I couldn't stop thinking about the German language. So I started taking German classes out of nowhere. It was an opportunity that I sought out. It was an offer, of course, within my major, which was at that time biology. So I reached out to a professor and asked her if I could just sit in. That's all I did. It was my first quarter at 
the University of California, Riverside. And surprisingly, she let me. So she let me sit in and I was able to absorb the information and interact with the students and really engage with the material. And because of her, I stay on and I took on upper division classes as a, a freshman and was doing really well in the class. And I think that's really special continue to spark my interest in the language and continue to grow my interest in in Germany as a whole. So when that continued to grow, I saw DAD as an opportunity to return to Germany as a way just to be more academically engaged in the German system. Formally, everything I did was through a study abroad program, but that study abroad program allowed me to explore the social, the culture of the country. When I came back, through the DAD scholarship, I was able to do research this time. And that was the RISE scholarship that allowed me to do three months of research at Leuvana University in Lüneburg, which is also where my uncles live. So it was a, a really happy coincidence that I got a scholarship to study where he lived. So I was able to reconnect with him once again. And I did research there. And one of the things that I found out about my opportunity was the amount of refugees that were living in the city at that time. It was 2015 and Angela Merkel had recently promoted her open door policy, which means that a lot of the refugees that were seeking asylum were able to come to Germany through her policies. And that was one of my first times seeing a lot of the refugees community in my own community. And that's because I think coming from California, we do have a lot of migrants, but because of the restrictive policies within our country, there's lots of limits as to who can come to the United States and how long they can stay and actually if they can't even come in the first place. So that was living in Germany in Lüneburg during that summer was an opportunity for me to learn more about forced migration, learn more from the refugees community. And that's when I started volunteering. And that's where I really discover my my other passion. And that's a passion that I continue to cultivate. So yeah, in, in that time, I got to work with refugees from the new and uh, welcome learning center. And I got to attend the Christopher Street Day, which them, which is similar to Pride Parade in the United States. And I got to see a lot of different type of refugees, um, refugees from the Middle East, but there are also refugees who are LGBTQ and refugees who are kids as well. So it was a large spectrum of different individuals who allowed me to see the strength within the community, but also the challenges as well. So after coming back from Germany during that summer, I was quite inspired to initiate my own refugee empowerment project in Versailles, California, where I founded an initiative just to support refugee women coming from Afghanistan and provide mental health and physical health services to the community. And because of all of these wonderful experiences I had in Germany and in Riverside, I decided to apply for the Fulbright Scholarship, which allowed me to eventually work with refugees and immigrant kids in Aachen, Germany. That's essentially my story. 
have a lot of follow-up questions, but since you just mentioned the Fulbright teaching assistantship, I did read that it was in total about 140 teaching assistants in Germany, but you were one of the selected ones in a small group of about 19 that was specifically selected for the diversity group. Can you tell me a little bit more about your experience there and what you actually did and how it differed from the other teaching assistants with whom I assume you had some contact with? I can talk a little bit about the diversity program and, and then my experience from it. The diversity program places the teaching assistants in schools that have a majority population of students who are um, historically disadvantaged or marginalized, students of color, students of that have immigration background. So I was very fortunate to be able to be placed within such settings because it allowed me to work with a community that I have always been interested in working with. Also because I am an immigrant myself coming from Vietnam, so I was able to relate to the, the students a little bit more. And in comparison to other teaching assistants who worked around Germany, some of um, individuals who were placed within the diversity program compared to those who weren't placed, it didn't seem like there's much of a difference. I've talked with individuals who weren't in the diversity program that also work with marginalized students, but perhaps within their school system, there isn't a lot of kids that are from um, refugees or immigrant background. Within my school, it was, it was a really unique opportunity because I was working in a school that called Schule Gymnasium in Aachen. And I don't know about Aachen. Aachen is one of the most diverse cities in Germany. And by diverse, I, I don't just mean like politically diverse. I don't just mean socially diverse. I meant culturally diverse. And it was a cultural shock for me to be in Aachen compared to the other two cities that I um, was in previously, which was uh, Ratzeburg, which is an extremely small town, and also Lüneburg, because Aachen actually has a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds. Even within my gymnasium, there were students from 65 different countries. So being there and being in a very multicultural setting allowed me to interact with everyone from a different background. And I thought that was quite fascinating. And I wouldn't trade, you know, my experience being elsewhere. I actually have never been to Aachen. How can you describe it maybe a little bit more? Aachen itself, like many German cities in the West, I feel like the structures of the uh, buildings pretty much is preserved in the sense where when you walk through the city, it feels like you're walking through history. And I, I feel like As an American being there, it was a very unique experience to be able to walk through perhaps places where histories and politics intertwine. Aachen is also a place where politicians, especially because it is at the border of uh, Netherlands and Belgium, that's where politicians convene. So it's really exciting to see sometimes uh, like politicians like Angela Merkel and the prime minister of France convening there to talk about greedy, like uh, treaties and peace agreements. So that was definitely a unique experience I had there. And Like earlier, I mentioned how Aachen itself is a very culturally diverse place. What I meant was one of my first time being in Aachen and taking the bus through the city just to explore, which is something I really enjoy doing. I noticed that on the bus, there were so many faces of colors. There were so many people that were from 
different countries. There were people from the Middle East. There were people from Asia. There were people from from Africa, and it didn't feel like these. People were just students in a city, which is generally what people, you know, perceive, especially a smaller city like Aachen. But they are actually adults, and you can tell that they live there because of the clothes that they wear or the style that they embrace. And just looking outside of us, I can just imagine and remember seeing lots of stores specifically tailored to the people living there. So these stores include Turkish markets and written with languages on the storefront, and stores that actually sell specific hair products for those that are from African countries, and even like temples, Vietnamese temples. So it was. A, a cultural hub that I've never seen before, and I was shocked because it was new to me. And I, before coming to Germany, I thought Germany, you know, is diverse, but I actually haven't seen diversity until I lived in Aachen and worked with people of color within the German system. How did that, as a Vietnamese American, then having that experience in Germany, how did that shape your perspective? Then maybe coming back to the United States. Because I come from California, and because I live in San Jose, we do have a lot of people of color here. Majority, you know, from Latin American countries, and also the Vietnamese community, and there's also Chinese communities. So that's the community I was raised in, and. Going to Germany, I didn't see a lot of those faces initially, especially during my first few times there. But when I began living in Aachen, I was able to connect with other Germans who are Vietnamese Germans, other Germans who have histories of migration to Germany, or even were born in Germany themselves. And I remember attending one of the festival that we celebrate. Quite largely here, which is the Lunar New Year Festival in Aachen, Germany, where it was organized by a local groups of Vietnamese Germans wanting to preserve and celebrate their culture. So being there and seeing Vietnamese faces speaking Vietnamese simultaneously speaking German, it felt like somewhat very familiar. I think familiar in the sense where we have Vietnamese people in San Jose speaking both languages and interacting both languages and using language as a way to express themselves. So similarly, being there was a very similar experience. So I would say that it was a very humbling experience. First off, to be an, a Vietnamese American, being in Aachen and talking with the Vietnamese uh, German, sharing our experiences, and I realized that even though we are both Vietnamese, we live in different countries. We have very similar experiences growing up. Uh, experiences. Such as sometimes standing out as an individual, as a person of color, learning how to stand up for herself, learning how to find communities within a large group of people. So it was quite a humbling experience to listen to the the stories of individuals who have lived there and compare it to myself and realize that despite being Vietnamese American and German Vietnamese, there are quite similarities. I believe that being in Germany was eye-opening for me because I saw how the 
local community can mobilize themselves and organize in such a way that is not only empowering to the refugees that are there because they co-organize. And what that means is that they work alongside the community members to promote the needs of the community versus the needs of the volunteers. And I saw that model and I wanted to bring that back to Riverside, California. You're also the founder of the Refugee Empowerment Project. Would you talk a little bit more about that and also maybe how someone could support the group? Yes, yes. So the idea of the Refugee Empowerment Project came from, of course, feeling <laughs> almost helpless being an individual that wants to do something for the refugees community, being an immigrant that actually wants to mobilize resources and help. So that idea came about because I felt like I wanted to do something. So one of the first thing I did was I uh, reached out to existing organizations that work with the communities. And there was one organization that stood out to me, and that was Globally Connected. Globally Connected is a nonprofit organization that works in Riverside. And they are a grassroots organization, which means that a lot of the work they do is for the refugees community, specifically refugees community that from Afghanistan. Services they provide are extremely, um, I feel like, abundance and and extremely helpful. One of the things that they do is uh, healthcare services, which is a component that I brought in through the Refugee Empowerment Project. And in this healthcare services component, we mobilize uh, refugees community leaders and train the community leaders to advocate for themselves and their own uh, refugees community uh, women. And we identified two leaders that were actually leaders from, from their community back in Afghanistan. One of the leader is Friba, and Friba is actually an individual that was a health educator. And she is a significant component within our project because she not only work with health organizations such as Planned Parenthood and doctors and physicians and also psychiatrists. She also worked with the students in order to create materials that could provide healthcare information for her own community. And that was one aspect of it. The other aspect that I helped and also um, contributed to was the English component. So the English component is a language class that allows women to hone their language skills. And that is a service that Globally Connected has been essentially like providing for the past few years, and they are still providing now. So if anyone who's interested in working with refugees in Riverside, one of the best ways to do that is to reach out to an existing organization uh, such as Globally Connected. So with all your experience and now that you've graduated, what is your goal for the ne next step? My plans for future work. <laughs> um, yes, because of my involvement with refugees organizing and I also study entomology and my research in public health, I'm really interested in working at the intersection of entomological diseases with health disparities affecting marginalized communities such as migrants and refugees. And I think when we're thinking about entomological diseases, we often think about malaria and also dengue, but also pest infestation, for example, can be related to an entomological disease such as infestation of cockroaches that leads to exposure of like allergens, especially among kids. And a lot of these times, the individuals that are most affected by entomological 
diseases are from more impoverished communities and are actually individuals that are more marginalized within a social system. So I would love to work at the intersection of that to advocate for the health improvement of communities that are more disproportionately affected by entomological diseases. So I hope to get my PhD in that looking forward. I'm also looking forward to returning to Germany as a potentially, maybe, uh, hopefully, as a DAD uh, scholar, pursuing my master there, and then bringing that master back to the United States and doing my PhD. You mentioned Aachen, but I wonder, are there any other lesser known, maybe smaller towns that you visited that you can recommend? Yes, I would say if you are in Aachen, definitely uh, take the bus, which is only 30 minutes to the next city, which is Monschau. So Monschau is a much smaller uh, city, but it's uh, like architecture is extremely historical and beautiful. And I think when I was there for my first time with my, my friends, I didn't realize how similar but also different the, the, the little town looks compared to other German cities. The architecture is itself like extremely old, but it's that throughout the entire town. And there isn't any touch of, I feel like there isn't any touch of modern style within their, the way that they design the buildings. So if you are interested in seeing something much smaller than Aachen, then I would recommend Manschau. I would also recommend Dusseldorf and also Kern. And these two cities are one of like my um, like favorites in addition to Aachen because of the amazing food there. Especially if you are in Dusseldorf. Dusseldorf is known as a city with lots of Japanese individuals. So there, their food is extremely authentic and flavorful. And actually, I was quite surprised to find Japanese food made for the Asian communities because oftentimes when I eat within an Asian restaurants, especially if it's in Europe, I feel like the taste is more modified and it's not as authentic to its roots. So because there's a lot of Asian communities there, the food, of course, is catering to the people living there. So food itself is quite authentic and it can be really spicy and it can be extremely flavorful. And I, and I love going to Dusseldorf sometimes just for the food. Berlin definitely has a large Vietnamese community. I went there for Fulbright conference, I think also for the diversity program and diversity training program. And there I met a lot of Vietnamese people. There's also like a whole entire market. It's called like the Dongsung market. And that market has a lot of Vietnamese good goods there, also Vietnamese clothes there. And it's a a really wonderful place to be during the holidays, especially when it's Lunar New Year. There's a lot of local festivities there as well. A lot of the individuals, I think, that I come across when I am looking for Vietnamese German communities in, in Germany is, of course, based in Berlin. And some of them are also based in Dusseldorf and also in, in Aachen as well. And I, if you are like listening to this broadcast and really interested in learning about the Asian German experience living in Germany, I would highly recommend the broadcast Rise and Shine. They are two Vietnamese sisters. I believe they were born in Germany, but they have really rich experience being a Vietnamese German. So they talk a lot about a lot of different things 
in the German society, such as the cultures there, the challenges living as an Asian a German in a German society, the um, the beauty of finding communities within within such spaces. So Rise and Shine podcast is one of my two go whenever I want to feel like uh, I'm at home listening to them. And what language do they speak? Is that in German or in English or Vietnamese? It's in German for 95% of the time. And they do talk in Vietnamese. But when they do talk in Vietnamese, they talk about their experiences also. They translate it in, into German. And recently, they had this broadcast where it's fully in Vietnamese for Vietnamese audiences. Of course, those that are not very fluent in, in German to understand the depth of the experiences of those who were forced to migrate from Vietnam because of the war. They have a really beautiful way of connecting stories together, especially stories of uh, Vietnamese Germans in, in our society. So I've been having some just plain coffee with some milk and honey since this is coffee connections. And unfortunately, we weren't able to meet in person. But if we had and if we had been in Germany, what would you have ordered? I always wanted to order one item, but I can never find it in a German cafe, at least whenever I go to the cafes there. And it is an item that is dear to my heart. It is called Kaiserschmann. Kaiserschmann as a very fluffy pancake that's cut into many different pieces and is drenched in, at least I love to drench it in vanilla sauce and marmalade. And it's known from, I believe, the Austria region. But I first tasted through my host family when I came there at the age of 19, not really knowing exactly about German culture and not knowing exactly who my community is. I first had that taste of Kaiserschmann in my host mother. Her name is Cindy. So if you're listening to this, hi, Cindy. I really <laughs> miss your Kaiserschmann. <laughs> um, the first taste of her Kaiserschmann was in her kitchen. And ever since then, I really miss the taste and I always try to seek it, but it's difficult to find. So I would have that if that's, that's possible. And on the side, I would love to have an espresso. You've been to Germany now a few times, and especially with the volunteer work that you did, you I assume there were a lot of memorable experiences, but do you have any fun memories that you could share that are really memorable? Yeah, I would say I think one of the most memorable experiences being in Germany is, of course, the people there. One of the individuals that is really special to me is um, my current partner, Andreas. Mm -hmm. I met Andreas through living in So you in fell Austria. in love with a German. This is how it goes, I, I guess. This is how yes. This is how I it happened to me. I fell in love with an American and I'm still here. So it seems like there is definitely hope for long distance relationship. I'm glad to I'm glad to hear that from your end. Um, well, I yes, actually Andre I have to disappoint you, but I actually we got married, so we didn't have to do long distance relationship, and I was able to work here. I love hearing that. I love hearing that. I love hearing that there are success stories, of course, with something with such a relationship, because I think a lot of time people might believe that when you're from two different cultures and when you're speaking two different languages, it's quite impossible to be in a very strong relationship. And I think your example, like, for example, in mine, completely disproved that. So I, I met Andreas in Aachen and Andreas is quite unique because 
He is Russian-German, so he is an immigrant from Russia, but he has lived in Germany for so long that I consider him to be quite German uh, in the way he is and the way he navigates the world. But one of the things that truly bonds us together is our uh, stories of immigration and how it is for us to seek community in a place where we have to call home for the rest of our lives. That for me is the United States coming from Vietnam at such a young age, and we came actually to our prospective country at the same time. So I think because of that, I've, I've realized that the strength within our relationship comes from our background being immigrants and finding our own like community and finding ourselves within that. And just to comment on your initial response and that it's nice to hear that it works with two different cultures. I think if you have that cultural awareness and just in general, the curiosity and interest in other cultures and in someone else, then yeah, maybe you have moments where you can tell that it's the cultural difference that's causing problems potentially. But if you're both culturally aware, then I think this is not a problem, but quite the opposite. It's just such a rich experience to learn from one another. And again, we've, we've been now almost married for seven years and we continue to... Um, Thank you. We we continue to have conversations about language, like, why do you say this? And, oh, this is a cultural thing. And so, of course, it really depends on the person. But if you're both culturally aware, and it sounds like you both are with the background of immigration and just navigating different worlds, I think that just having someone else to share that and to be able to share your experiences, I think is uh, wonderful and, and definitely something that binds you together. I, I agree. I agree. And I honestly wouldn't trade this experience with anything else. I think meeting Andreas at a time, especially when I was com completing my Fulbright and it was out of nowhere, it was out of the blue. I met him and I thought Andre is going to be a good friend <laughs> because <laughs> I was going to leave Germany and realistically I wasn't sure when I would be back. And I say this every single time I actually left Germany. I left after We're always drawn back it seems like. Exactly. I feel like I have might put myself in a spell wherever I say that <laughs> I will have to automatically come back. So maybe I might come back for my master. <laughs> Who knows? Or maybe he'll come here for work after he study and finish his degree. If someone, we talked about so many things and uh, we didn't even get to touch upon your role as a DAD young ambassador where essentially the, the work that you've been doing for a while at some point, it was just made official and you had that DAD young ambassador title. But if someone was interested in getting in touch with you to maybe specifically ask about your experience as um, a Vietnamese immigrant and being um, in Germany or as a research intern, as a Fulbright teaching assistant, maybe even uh, some advice on how to apply. How would one get in touch with you best? Through my email, you can reach out to me. I'm not sure in, in your broadcast if you have a description box. I Perhaps do. you can leave my yes. address there. I'm more than open to share that. And I believe you have, yeah, you have my email address. So um, if you're interested in learning about DAD, CBRIX or Fulbright or even the Young Ambassador program, please reach out to me at any time. I'm more than happy to um, help. You heard Coffee Connections with Fang Hang. Alumnus of the CBYX High School Program, the DAD Rise and Young Ambassador Program, and the Fulbright Teaching Program.
All content is created and edited by me, Hani Geist. If you would like to get in touch, send an email to podcast at DAD.org. And unfortunately, we're still in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic that affects so many families. So again, today, I'll say stay safe, healthy and well. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you at the next coffee break.